I thank you kindly for firing up the podcast system. That's cast with me, podcast system. With me, lovey. And yes, that is my real name. Every episode, I tackle something new in the world of politics, pop culture, race, and the lack of relations. Be sure to subscribe and enjoy every shady moment. Be hashtag blessed, y'all. So, if you guys haven't heard, there is a new show called Indian Matchmaking. And I might have binged it because it's that good. And there are four characters that I kind of want to talk about briefly before I bring on my super special guest of the week. Oppener is a woman on the show who is looking for a life partner. She knows exactly what she and her mother want in a partner for herself. So she's really funny. And initially I was kind of opposed to her whole persona, but she grew on me because she's very knowledgeable about what she wants in a life partner. Nadia, who comes across as super sweet and in just adorable and beautiful and talented, but something is a little off with Nadia because after the show, we find out that Vinay, one of the guys that she meets, says that she ended up ghosting on him, but she plays victim quite well on camera. Akshay and his mother Preeti. Oh, Preeti. She is a wonderful mother in terms of being very connected to him at every level and every aspect of his life. They found him a match, and apparently Radhika, who he was supposed to marry, lied to them. So the wedding is off, and now Preeti's blood pressure is through the roof. And the last person who I absolutely adore on the show is Ankita. So she owns her own clothing line and has suffered through feeling bad about herself because people said that she was overweight and not as pretty as her sister. But I think she's actually one of the best characters, excuse me, character, person, people on the show. So now I want to talk with our special guest and we're going to flush out a little bit of the thoughts about matchmaking, dating in today's world. And I'm going to use our favorite guest, Brother Jake, to figure out what is what in the world of dating and matchmaking and all the glory of finding your life partner. Welcome back, Jake. Thank you for having me back. For some strange reason, it seems that you tend to have me on. Okay, so it's so awesome. Mm -hmm. What? I'm sorry, go ahead. Did I interrupt? You tend to have me on for all the episodes on which I am the furthest thing from an expert. Uh, today it would be dating and relationships. Yo, what but from I, afar, I have observed many relationships. So you know, uh, I, hopefully, I can bring that to bear. But uh, whether or not I have enough from uh, direct personal experience is another question. I've been next to you when you've gotten a Tinder thumbs up thing. So oh, I get plenty of matches. Whatever ends up happening with them is another matter. <laughs> can we talk about that at the end of the show? Yeah, we will. You said we won't. <laughs> you said we won't. All right. So listen, the show is actually really great. Jacob hasn't seen it. That's fine. He doesn't need to see it. But the concept of matchmaking is intriguing to me. And I'll be honest, I am not mad at it. I don't think it's such a bad thing, especially in today's world. What are, what are your thoughts, Jake? Well, 
I'm obsessed with freedom and individual <laughs> choice because yes. I'm a good American and, uh, and a liberal oh, philosopher. So Here we go. I'm a, my natural inclination is to say I, I would know part of sort of these collective communal forms of matchmaking. Mm -hmm. And I much prefer the individualistic approach that we have in our own societies. But on the other hand, no one else could deny that there seems to be something deeply problematic with how we go about building relationships in our society because most of our relationships seem to fail. They seem to be defined by acrimony. Um, mm. And ultimately you start to look at alternative ways of forming relationships. You wonder whether or not there's something we need to, or some things that we need to learn from these alternative approaches. Yeah. even if we don't adopt them fully for ourselves. No, very good point. And so one of the things that I noticed that I actually appreciated about the show is the importance of including your family in the process of the meet and greet, right? So a lot of times the individuals would meet with their family present. And initially it seems a little off-putting, like how awkward, like the first time you go on a date, you're meeting someone else's parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins, but who knows you better than the people closest to you? And in our society, I feel like it's the opposite, right? You date for six, eight, however long, a year, and then you introduce this person of interest to your family. Yeah, in fact, it, it seems that you only introduce someone to your family once you're pretty much locked in. Once you, you've said, you know, we're probably going to do this uh, long term or, or for, forever. Right. And the problem, of course, there is... What if your family doesn't like this person? What if your friends don't like this person? What if they see that you might be blinded by love, right? And, and love, Lust as much as or, it's a powerful and important mm -hmm. feeling, it's still a feeling and feelings change. Right. And so that, that's a good point because part of the other thing that they do is they have this wonderful thing called a biodata, which I would absolutely put all of the information about what I consider myself to be, what I'm looking for in another person's biodata. And so from what I understand from our friends, even just talking to you, when you're online, didn't we actually have this conversation yesterday when you said to me that you were talking to someone and you both agreed that you weren't going to lie to each other? And oh, you're we're like, going to be honest. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about that because, you know, I might share the episode with them. And so, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave that conversation. All I'm saying, okay, so in hypothetically speaking, people say that they're being honest when they're initially communicating on some of these social dating apps, right? And you might know better than I that some people lie. A lot of people lie. But it's the opposite. I feel like it's the opposite with some of the formal matchmaking process, right? You have somebody who's already doing all of the vetting of the factual information for you. Like, okay, did you actually graduate from the school you said? Yes. Do you actually have a home in the hills? Yes. Like, do you have all of these things that you've put on paper and they've been validated? But in the world we currently live in and how people date and meet, you have no idea if someone's telling the truth until it's too late. Well, there, there's, of course, the fact that people can lie, right? Yes. And sort of deceive, deceive you about who they are. But there's also the problem of people aren't transparent to themselves. Um, and so oftentimes people genuinely think they are this kind of person or that kind of person. Mm -hmm. But it's actually, you know, usually your family or your friends or your partner who has a deeper sense of who you are and can actually help educate you about who you are because they get to see your patterns from a more objective perspective. Often we, I think, tend to 
interpret our behavior patterns mm-hmm. in light of our ideal sense of self. And so we, we tend to only see those things that confirm this ideal perspective on ourselves and not see those things that are less than flattering aspects of our lives. And right. so that's also a huge issue when it comes to dating, which is we, we, we go into the domain of you know, the, the, the dating marketplace and present ourselves like we light. think we should mm-hmm. so that we can be liked and appreciated by others so that we can have a, a chance at, at, at a successful relationship. But yeah. very few people come in, you know, go to a date and say, hey, look, these are some of my flaws or I'm not quite sure what all my flaws are, but I'm going to try to be who I am on a day-to-day basis. And, and maybe let's dialogue about who I actually am and, and whether or not this works for the two of us and, and whether or not we can grow through each other. Those right. kinds of things don't come on the table very much. It's much more, you know, everyone's kind of a car salesman. They're trying to sell the best version of themselves. And that's not going to include telling or uh, trying to expose your, your flaws and also inviting the other person to uh, see them for themselves and, and help you see them. Right. And additionally, I'll also say one of the, you know, a few of the characters, they had their first dates, right? And so they had their initial dates and they seem like almost a perfect match. It almost seemed literally like made in heaven, right? These two people are laughing and they're giggling at each other's jokes and they both drink Savion Blanc or whatever, whatever it is. They seem perfect matches, but because they know that they're dating for a purpose, by the third date, it's almost as if all the cutesy stuff stops and they're like, okay, so I want two kids. Do you want kids? I want a partner who has long-term career goals that will lead to a vacation home in you know, the Hollywood Hill, whatever it is. But they're very direct about that information, which I don't think exists in the dating world of the Tinders and the Bumbles and the whatever else people are doing. Absolutely not. I, I think avoiding being direct is a huge part of uh, dating culture and, and it probably has become more so with the dating apps. And there's also, it seems, degree to which the norm is to not approach things with a level of seriousness until things become serious. But by the time they become serious, you're already sharing an apartment and you have right. deep feelings and it's, it's very hard to walk away. But that's pre- precisely the time in which you find out, oh, shoot, uh, you want kids. I don't want kids. Uh, right. You want to you know, leave America. You want to go live in, a, in Europe and I want to stay in America. Or, you know, you like cities. I hate cities. I want to live in the suburbs. You find out those things very late in the game. And now you're like, well, what do I do? I have a deep attachment to this person, but at the same time, this probably in the long run is going to be a highly problematical affair. Yeah. So that's, that's difficult. It's hard to exit once you've developed those strong feelings. But that's what's great about with the matchmaking is you've got such a team of people working, and I will say working, working with the individuals looking for their match, that it's hard to miss some of the key, key flaw, you know, the, the key flaws in a relationship. You know, the, the, the mom will say, well, that's not going to work because he seems, this guy who wants to date my daughter seems very casual and she does not like casual or she does not like funny men or, you know, so don't even bring him to the table. The other thing that I really loved is they focus on you needing to focus on one person at a time. So they'll show you the bio data of one individual 
And once you agree to the one person, like, you know, they'll, they'll show you three people and they'll say you have to pick one. And so once they show you that one, they take away the other two to never be seen again, or at least not until... But you can't date multiple people. You can't communicate with other people while you're focused on that one individual. The world that we currently have here, I feel like people are swiping probably while they're sitting in front of a date. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that definitely happens. It does? Oh, yeah. Now, my issue, though, is would I want my mother or my father or even my siblings? Uh, you want me. You'd want me there. You want me to be I present. Well, your track record as a relationship advisor is something we can do a whole episode. No, we're not but even. We'll, gonna, we'll no, you never a, listen. You don't listen to me. You go off and then you make decisions and then you come back and and you're upset that you didn't listen to me. Yeah, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But um, it it does make me wonder, especially with parents, right? Parents have children and they have an idea of what they want for their child and who they want their child to be long before that child has started to develop their own sense of self. Yeah. And that overdetermines everything that they're experiencing with their kid. And then that might also inform the kind of partner that they, you know, choose for their, for, for their child. And so for me, and, and I don't, it also depends on the culture, right? Because mm -hmm. in some cultures, maybe the parents have deeper insight into the personal lives and the personal experience of their kids. Whereas I think one of the things that, you definitely see in America is there's somewhat of a, well, it, it varies across different communities, but you know, for some people, they don't let their parents into their personal lives that at much all. Yeah. at all. And so, you know, they have their family life and then they have their personal life with their friends and, and significant others. And it's kind of hard to inform on who one should date or, or marry if you don't really have insight into who this person has become as a, as a person over there outside of the family, right? right and, very true. Right, so that, that's one difficulty I see there. But I do think that the, the, the general idea of having those who have insight into who you are contribute to the choosing of a partner is certainly something that's wise. And, and maybe it's in our society, for some of us, it would be our friend group. Well, maybe, have deeper insight. maybe what we do is we create, the, the website will be called Yenta or something, you know, the, the matchmaking gurus of America. And you have to bring your friends as your part of your cohort for the dating app, you know, and your friends are involved in the process of helping pick the person that you end up dating. Maybe that will <laughs> get rid of some of the <laughs> other so things. So you mean like bringing like three or four friends on your first date? Yeah. It's like a group date. Huh. Like you'd have a group. I, I would be very interested in trying that. I have no it, idea how it would work, but that'd be very interesting to try. It would be, but it would also take away, in some respects, some of the awkwardness. Because you'd, you'd have your friends to back up, you know, to fall on. Your friends know if you're acting unlike yourself and they could call you on it. And if your friends are actually looking out for your best interests, they'll also push you to be as honest as possible to this other person, right? And you would assume that the person that you're dating or meeting for the first time would also do the same thing. And then just I like in like the matchmaking that. process, sure. you know, halfway through the night or three quarters of the way through the night, the friends leave. And then it's just the two of you to hash it out and see like, are there sparks? I think we should do that. I like this. I, I like know. this a lot. Um, Patent pending. <laughs> yeah, especially because when you go on a date, you know, there is that feeling that you're not being authentic. Of course. Right? And even when you're being authentic, it's almost so, sort of a performed authenticity. 
But when you're around your friends, they know who you are. And so you actually are inclined to be really who you are because they'll call you, you know, out. They're watching and you don't want to be fake because you know you're going to get called down for not being yourself. And so that, that seems like an interesting idea as to how people might go about dating. And um, at least in the initial stages. No, I think it would be a great way to start off. And it's one of those, you know, young people getting together, or older people getting together. And hey, you, you never know. Maybe somebody from the friend group of Team A also likes somebody from the friend group of Team B. And it's a, it's a double win in one night. So, but I do think there's something to be said about the group process of dating rather than this sole individual looking for this other individual and feeling left alone in the process. Like you just don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of or ask questions to because neither of you know your people. This is also very interesting because, you know, once someone starts dating some, another person seriously, mm -hmm. that person does become part of the friend group. Yeah. And the friend group never gets to have a say as to whether or not this they new like person them. is going to join the group. And they can Yoko Ono the whole thing, right? You said Yoko Ono the whole thing. <laughs> Let that woman live. Let her be free. She did not ruin the Beatles. She can do whatever she wants, but she's a great punchline. And so, you know, I got it. I'll let you get it. That was actually good. <laughs> I, I chuckled. <laughs> Yoko Ono the whole. But you know there are friends like that. You know that like we've all every friend group has experienced this, I think. Where right? we all shake the head, you're like, dang, this is who you brought. You know, because now, sometimes your friends can see a side of a person that when you're dating, the the one in the relationship doesn't see, and you're like, This isn't good. Well, isn't I think that's wrong. also important because in some weird way. You know, as they say, opposites attract. Sometimes mm -hmm. the people that you end up attracting are the worst people for you. Yeah. In this way. You bring out the worst in each other. Oof. That and because of, you know, we're all pathological, right? Because we're formed by society and... Me, I'm not. Yeah, of course. And we know what kind of person would say something like that. But Ooh. now... <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll deal with the, that, that topic another day. I think your phone's but, breaking up, but yes, go on. Mm -hmm. Well, you can always buy me a new phone if you'd like. But Continue. One, of the, one of the things that happens is we get formed by the world we grow up in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the bad properties we have as a person or our bad habits, right, or our traumas become ingrained in us. Right. And we end up seeking out people who remind us of the traumatic aspects of early loving relationships, mm. right? And so you, you, you end up, because that's what you associate with a loving partner. And so right. if you had, let's say, a cold parent, you end up getting attracted to someone who's cold. Or if you had a domineering parent, you end up getting attracted to someone who's domineering. Even though what you should be doing is putting yourself in a relationship in which You've got someone who can help you correct for the pathologies you develop by being in those, er, those relationships early on in your life. And so it might be, you might need an outside perspective to show you that this is not leading you on a long, more virtuous path, right? But Dang. you might not see that yourself because of just the way you've been habituated to experience love you, and you, just what you, you associate with love. You just did something special there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you props for that. Because I think that's actually really spot on. God, I hate when you're wrong. 
That's really you good. Hit, I'm right, you mean. <laughs> oh, I'm so used to saying that you're wrong. Yes. Well, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> Listen, there's something really, somebody's probably written something about this, but I think you're right. Like people, it's like when you see people date the same kind of folks every single time and you're like, you know, this is going to end the same way, right? You know yep. that, that, that that person's a jerk, right? And it's, you're not going to change them and you're not going to fix them. But people, Absolutely. humans do what they do, which is mess up all the time, which is why you need a matchmaker and which is why you need to come to our new company. <clears throat> Patent pending. We're setting up a company now? Yeah, we're going to set up a company. I mean, I think we have the perfect dating platform. The group date, following line with the Indian matchmaking. Uh, you know, you'll have your bio data. You'll have your group of friends that come and represent you and your family. You can even use your family if you like, if you're that close. I can be your family. And I think that would be a great way to move forward. Because obviously what's happening with the current online dating stuff it doesn't seem to be working out so great long term. Yeah, and it's strange, right? Because how we're approaching dating is as if we're going shopping for a car or going shopping in a mall. You're sort of just swiping right on the things you like and swiping left on the things you don't like. And, and we mock societies in which it's actually a community-oriented process. Yeah. But which it's, is it's, strange, right? But it's, so it's, why do we think that a sort of individualized, commodified approach is reasonable and okay, but a community-oriented approach is weird. You know why? And, and it might be, and, and, and you look at our society right now, and if there's one thing that we've learned, it's this obsession with individual rights and oh, what and individual demands and neglect of the community and of the impact of your actions on others and a willingness to learn from others is precisely what might be our most fatal flaw as a society. Right. And, and so, you know, at the micro and macro level, you see a continuity in what makes for the fragility of our relationships, an absence of community as a mediating variable in the forging of long-term bonds. And also, you know, you were dating or, or you know, single. Dating is or, pushing it, yeah. A long, long, long time ago. You didn't need the extra long, okay? One long would have been I, fine. I think it's about three or four longs. Uh, One long suffices. <laughs> One long. One long suffices, thank you. A long time um, ago. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe some time ago. Thank you. In a, in a far off land. Okay, shut <laughs> moving on. Um, <laughs> either way, we didn't have any of these kinds of things. No. Right? The, the, the dating apps, et cetera. And you know, I've read some of the profiles to you and you, you see how crazy Oof. it is because people are so, you know, they're direct and not, not in the way uh, that I think leads to healthy relationships. They're much Ever. more direct about just what they want. A physical, just, yeah. Yeah. physical bond or they just put forward what they want from others as if other people are mere instruments to satisfy their desires. Now, obviously, that's never going to be a sound foundation of a healthy relationship, right? Mutual exploitation. It might work for capitalism, but it's definitely not going to work for long-term romantic partnerships. But here's the problem. People are always lying then because for every person that I talk to who's on a dating app, all of them say, I am looking for love. I am looking for a partner. I am looking for someone to complete me or whatever it is. And they're looking for commitment. Everyone says that. Well, like, not, not ever, but yeah. Okay, I'm not, I'm not talking to your friends. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not talk I'm talking to people I personally know. Your friends are a whole different story. I love them, but... Mm. Mess, mess. Um, no, but for real, like the people that I talk to who are within my age group, slightly above and below, 
they all say that they're looking for these things. They meet with people who also say the same thing. And after one date, it's not even a goodbye. It's just, you know, like blocked on whatever app it is. That's a huge part of the, the, the dating culture these days is this ghosting. And being able to interact with each other through social media and technology, I think actually is a source for that because it's so easy to act like someone no longer exists. You, you delete them off your phone and they basically cease to be present for you. Now, this actually speaks in favor of the approach that you've recommended, which yeah. is communal dating because... You'd be shamed. One of the most successful kinds of relationships that we know about are the ones that people develop in college, yeah. right? Because through a friend, you know, within the context of a friend group, because there's that social pressure. You don't to, want to be embarrassed. You don't want to shame your, your friends or yourself to others by being the jerk who ghosted oh, yeah. a mutual friend. Yeah. You're, like if you your know, parents you're, were in the you're, room, you're, you're not going to ghost them. Yeah. If you're in a, group, in, in, a, in a friend group or you're in college, you can't just ghost somebody because people are going to hold you to account for that. You just met online and y'all have no shared friends. You can do it and, and there won't be any cost to you. Society, no one will really ever know about it. It will never come back to you in any kind of way. And so you're more inclined to do it. And that's not healthy because that also means people feel that's always a possibility. And that's a very scary experience. So people are going to do things to avoid, in a more exaggerated way, causing someone to walk away, right? Yeah. Because being ghosted is it's not it's nice. A, it's a punch in the gut. It's not right? nice. I mean, I don't it's like to nice. get ghosted by, by my electrician. So I can only imagine getting ghosted by somebody who I actually had intimate feelings for. That's just, it's not nice, people. Don't do that. Don't do that. And so when you join Lovey and the distant partner, brother Jake, for our online dating app, please make sure that you sign the waiver that says ghosting is not allowed. You have to be an adult and send a, I am no longer interested in you, but it was great meeting you message. And then you end it because that's really the way that it should be. And the best part is actually with our dating app, because now I'm committed to this, Jacob. Mm -hmm. They could go through like the matchmaker, right? They could go through the person who runs the company and that person will then pass the message on if you are too ashamed or embarrassed to admit why you're no longer showing the up why for is, date. The why is important. That's something that we've never um, received, right? Which is feedback. Feedback you, is key. Why did this thing end? Which is what I did, I did love about the matchmaking show because you, you would follow the couples and you'd see the breaking point. Mm. You'd see the first date go well, the second date went really well, and then the third date was when they brought up kids, or the third date was when they brought up career paths. And they both would say, we're not on the same page, and this is so, not something I'm willing to give up. So the reason that kind of feedback is really necessary is because there's two kinds of things that can cause a relationship to fail. Mm -hmm. One is things about yourself that you should change, Right. Something about yourself that makes you just, in general, not a good person to be in a relationship with, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not good at communicating your feelings, or you don't listen very well, or... Overly you know, defensive, you're selfish. Overly defensive, right. selfish, vain, etc. Mm -hmm. right? On the other side, there are those things about yourself that it's perfectly legitimate commitments to have. 
Yes. But they're not shared by that particular other person. But if you don't get the feedback, it's very hard for you to know, wait, was it because I wanted to have kids and they didn't? Or was it because- I was rude. Know, right. I was rude. Or my breast stinks, you know? Right. What, what, <laughs> right? No, but, then, but this is important to maintaining sort of the confidence that one needs to get back out into the dating world, right? And also to learn so that you actually can adjust and grow as a person. But that also requires you to be open to that kind of feedback. And, and, it is, and it's always important, I think. Well, I could make a point about relationships generally. Too you often when we're, when we're talking about, okay, how do you learn in a relationship and, and continually grow together? Mm -hmm. One of the things that people do is they focus on talking about the other person's flaws. Mm. You should really be more committed to talking about what you take your flaws to be and inviting the other person to account for your flaws to you so that you can improve. Because as soon as you start telling someone about their flaws, they get defensive. They start thinking about what your flaws are. Next thing you know, you're fighting. And fighting will never get you to a healthier place if it's all you're doing. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bound to happen, but the discursive health, process- Healthy fights, healthy it, fights are uh, fine. This course is even better. Yeah, because you don't have to agree. You just have to be no. able to come to a place where you can discuss, right? But can I just read something to you that somebody sent to me, met, uh, mentioned to me yesterday after I did a talk for the Black Joy Summit, which by the way, if you haven't listened to, you should, and I'll post the link. Building what you love rather than destroying what you hate. So imagine if you use that, and I'll say it again, building what you love rather than destroying what you hate. So if you are in a relationship with someone and like you just said, if it's the little things that you're constantly nagging somebody about, you've put a block in front of progress of getting that relationship to a place where you want it to be. But if you focus on the things that they do well or the things that make you happy about them, could you imagine how glorious that's going to be for both parties? Really great. Oh, or three, depending on... It's 2020, so, you know. I said three. I threw yeah. it here. You know, I was, I was thinking about you and your little cohort. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Anyway, is there anything else that you think you want to throw out there before we, we wrap this up? Because now, now I'm team arranged marriage, like big time, actually. Uh, no, I mean, I think we covered some interesting ground. And, I, you know, I think the we should keep the conversation about relationships going. I mean, we, we talk mostly here about dating, but there's also, okay, what do you do once you're in a relationship? And I mm -hmm. think that's another conversation about how you build a healthy relationship. And you should probably find somebody who's actually been in a relationship uh, to have that conversation <laughs> with. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing a lot. You know what? If you bring me to your first date, I'm telling you, I'm going to find you somebody. I can do it. You're we shall see. We shall see. Listen, if you do it and it doesn't work, then I'm saying right here on air that it is my fault and I was wrong. We'll, so, we'll, 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 dis we'll discuss arrangements off air and uh, see where, the, where that goes. Mm -hmm. I do have a uh, dating fee, though, just putting it out there, like a chaperone dating fee, <clears throat> which I will probably pay for myself. Anyway, Brother Jake, as always, it's been great. It was nice seeing you, too. <laughs> great to see you as well yeah 
Take care of the house, because mom's going to be home soon. Be translated, yo. Yep. Yep. Love is blind, right, man. Just some bright light. You up in the club, feeling the nightlife, looking for the right type. Love rushing to your heart, making it beat. When she swept you off your feet and made it complete. You know the plan, you had to conquer the world. Thinking you Scarface, looking for that perfect girl. And now you found her. Started with romantic, then got to frantic. Then things that's normally small become gigantic. Now y'all sinking like the Titanic. Here comes the panic. Being with you like a habit. Without you, I can't stand it. It's tragic. When you wonder when you lost that magic without understanding that you never had it. Try to grab it in the bag and a nut off. Communication cut off, getting mad because you turned on wondering when she shut off. Constantly comparing you to someone in my past. We don't smile anymore. And we argue over cash. Advance to that physical shit. See what happens if you keep talking. See what happens if you lay your finger on me, motherfucker. Yo, see what I'm saying? It's like one big mind game that everybody plays. Thank you to our host, Clovercrest Media Group. Kev from BK for our visual arts and the fire intro song Filthy by TVP Records. Podcast system.